Hello and welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with your host, Buddy Satello Esquire, Wrestling's premier photographer, Dr. Mike Leno, and esteemed executive producer, Evan Ginsberg. And we have a very special guest tonight. Um, Mike, Dr. Mike, would you like to introduce him? Thank you, thank you. Uh, we are honoring our brother, somebody that is irreplaceable. Every time we lose somebody, like, uh, you know, it, it's it's rough, it's rough on us, but this was a, a dear brother, a guy who was so beloved, and his boss, person he worked with at Wrestling Perspective, David Skolnick, is with us. He was just talking about going out to dinner after a, a weekend of Champions Convention in 92 or 93 with Evan. But guys, we're talking about Ed, uh, also known for your publication as Phantom of the Ring. And he had done so much. So we were just talking about Wrestling Eye magazine was the first U.S. magazine to sort of duplicate what Japan was doing in discussing intelligently and shoot. No BS, no made up interviews, made up storylines, kissing up to the promotions. But Ed, what can you tell us about those days with Ed? Because in my opinion, working for him, he was the best, the first and the best editor there uh, ever. And it was such a unique, different looking magazine. And that's that was Ed's touch. And Ed just passed away, I should say, about a week ago. It'll be two weeks this Thursday. He had fought brilliantly and lost a leg. Uh, number of years ago, and we had him on the show Ev, right after that to keep his mind off of it. And uh, Evan knew him as well. We're all close to him. And uh, but he had, uh, you know, salivary gland. Well, I, we'll talk I, I about actually have never met him. I'd like to put an asterisk there. I I didn't know, know him personally. I know you respect people who achieve greatness in magazines and newsletters, and we're not talking. This was in the era, the grand era of newsletters, which we'll get into. But uh, let me start with Dave Skolnick first on Wrestling Eye Magazine and what made that an, a unique. And when did you meet him, too? Uh, Ed was was a was a very interesting guy in that I have known Ed since 1991 and we've actually never met. Uh, wherever wherever I was, he he never he was always in a different place. And so, but we would, we would talk on the phone, uh, you know, sometimes weekly, at least monthly go, going on 30 years. And my first ex my exposure to, to Ed was not knowing that it was Ed Gurria, but reading wrestling. Eye uh, when I was in, in high school and college, and it was like, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was reading. And and he would tell me years later that that he received like significant backlash from from people in the industry that he was exposing the the business, which is kind of you know silly in hindsight, uh, because basically what he was doing was uh, telling people about the inner workings of an industry to people who were interested in doing it. Uh, it was a much more mass audience than than let's say a a, a niche newsletter uh but like that i first i first met ed uh, for ringside reflector jd mckay's old newsletter which had just folded we had started in 1990 and my partner at the time paul MacArthur, 
said, you know, we should we should get Phantom Ring, you know, from Wrestling Eye and Ringside Reflected write for us. And I was like, this guy's never going to write for us. This guy was like, you know, big name back back, you know, just a few years ago. Um, contacted him, and and he had he he knew us, uh, knew of us. And he agreed to write for us, and it was just, you know, just just the thrill of a lifetime. And he was um, really, I mean, not only just a wonderful person, but but so giving, such a mentor. You know, taught me so much about about everything. I mean, wrestling, life. He always just so incredibly supportive of me, and you know, it's just so devastating. Uh, to lose him, particularly since you know we have been so incredibly close, and and you would think that after we stopped in 2008 doing respective that we'd kind of fall, you know, out of touch with each other, but we actually became significantly closer uh, um, in the past. You know, let's I would want to say, you know, 15 years we did a um, we did a, a film website together for five years, which was just a joy to do. And, you know, he was just such an incredibly knowledgeable person about so many different subjects. And, you know, like I said, it, it, it's just, it's just such an incredible loss for me personally, but, you know, just for, uh, you know, people who were, who were wrestling fans, who, who don't know the importance of Phantom of the Ring of Ed Gurria. Um, I mean, he was, he was so instrumental in, in bringing, uh, you know, removing, the, removing the silliness of kayfabe and, and, you know, making, you know, pulling back the curtain and just showing us, you know, the, the, the fascinating inner workings of professional wrestling for so many years. Ev was part of that, too, because uh, there was a plethora of newsletters, you know, not just, and I think they kind of came birthed out of fan club newsletters or news bulletins yeah. from the 60s and 70s, and then we have these newsletters, and obviously there was Observer, whatever that year that was, early 83 or mid-83, but then all the other ones, Torch uh, and the later Figure Four, but we had genres, we had, if you wanted uh, nostalgia, history, and everything else. You went to Evan Ginsberg's wrestling then and now. If you I wanted comedy, Evan and I both started our newsletters both in 1990, right, Evan? Yes, yeah. exactly. Within within like maybe just a few weeks or a month of each other, because we started in like February of 1990, and and you were you were right around the exact same time. Yeah, it was definitely 1990. I don't remember the exact month, but. Uh... Well, well, Paul and I were arrogant enough that we started getting newsletters in, in uh, like September, October of 1989, reading them and thinking, oh, we can do this. And within like four or five months of, of getting newsletters, we were putting one out ourselves, you know, which in hindsight, I think people in their early 20s are the, the only ones who have that, that self-confidence slash arrogance to to actually think that, oh, well, I'm reading something. I could do a better job than, than these people are doing. No problem, and and you know, go ahead and and you know, <laughs> to not be modest, actually did it better than most of them did. Uh, 
And, and, and I want to throw it but I just want to say perspective yeah. was intelligent commentary and breakdown, not just of shows and promotions, but then you had Ed who didn't want, you know, he was, I guess he was shy because if you look at his Facebook page, it's just that mass photo of him. I think Kat, his wife, uh, who passed away. I'm, I'm sorry. It, it, took yeah. me, it took me until six years ago for him to finally agree to send me a photo of himself. So, I mean, I knew him. Wow. So I, I knew him for like 25, 26 years, and he still would never see a photo of himself. And he finally agreed to it. Was like a, it was my 50th birthday present. So it was like it was six years ago. He finally sent me a photo of himself. And uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know what the what the big secret was, but even like when we did when we did the uh, the move when we did the movie website together, he didn't want to use his real name. He just was was such a modest guy. He really did not want to take credit for for anything under his under his real name, which was, you know, I I, I, I was the one who convinced him, you know, for that to to you know use his real name. I'm like, no one's gonna know what the hell a Phantom of the Ring is uh, when we're writing about film. And and he was he was agreeable. He got a kick out of he got a kick out of having some some notoriety of that and he could have had such, such you know more significant notoriety in in wrestling had he used his real name yeah, what, what are your thoughts on, on on this too so your wrestling then and now was way more than just nostalgia and discussion of legends because there was current stuff in there and perspective perspective had ed as the phantom often poking fun at the ridiculousness of stuff like uh, the Black Scorpion angle in WCW, 91-92, humor, his Fanny Awards, which kind of uh, poked fun at the Observer ultra-serious annual wrestling awards. But have your thoughts on everything. Well, I, I think people really don't know the history of sheets, um, which most people would call zines, but wrestling people... We always refer to it as sheets, but where did the term come from? You know, dirt sheet. Uh, it was really, um, you know, breaking kayfabe, like David said, was a big deal um, back in the day. And not everybody welcomed us with open arms. And um, in, in my sheet or newsletter, we, we had Killer Kowalski writing a column. So at some point, you know, legends and other people said this is okay. And um, I think people need to know that people like Ed Gurria from Wrestling Perspective and Wrestling Eye were pioneers and really helped change the business and did not profit mon monetarily from it like so many have. And um, at bare minimum, I think it's important to acknowledge and recognize him. And before I forget, we lost another historian um, the same week as Ed, Vince Edwards. He did Mass Decisions, the Triangular Life of Dick the Destroyer, <laughs> Dick the Destroyer Bias. So, um, you know, you lost two historians in the course of maybe three or four days. And... You know, very little acknowledgement. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Meltzer did or didn't do as far as these two gentlemen, but I know that Ed Gurria helped Meltzer a lot as well early on, and he should have 
gotten some sort of, um, you know, kudos. And, um, you know, this is a pioneer who helped change the business, I believe, for the better. I mean, um, you know, I, I think it was almost silly, some of the newsstand magazines, as fun as they were, you know, but some of the articles were absurd and, uh Uh, So somebody like Ed took it to a whole different level, plus the fact that the guy was a legitimately good writer, writer. People don't understand that in wrestling, the fans don't don't even grasp that a bombardment of information and rumors and scoops. That's not necessarily writing. What Ed did was writing, you know, and, and again, acknowledge this. Because you could count the great writers in wrestling on maybe two hands. Maybe. And Ed was one of them. And, um, you know, nothing but respect. And uh, I'm glad we're doing this because uh, most people in the industry either ignored his passing or it was a very brief sentence or two. And he deserved much more. He helped take the newsstand magazines in a more mature, professional, realistic direction. And he helped do the same with the sheets. So, um, you know, early, early on, a lot of the sheets were really just a bombardment of results and clips. And I mean, Ed helped take it and David, of (laughs) course, as the editor, you know, um, helped take it to a whole different level. And, uh, you know, respect. And this is part of wrestling history that's not readily acknowledged. Let me yeah. say one quick thing that, that Russ, uh, I asked David about Paul MacArthur, and he's too grief stricken. I, I would like to I asked David when we talked about six hours ago if we could include anybody else from perspective or from Ed's past. And uh, I, I, what Meltzer did put out on the Observer website was with a couple of sentences he wrote is basically verbatim what I sent him and he asked me for more information at least to keep him up to date so I I do have to give Meltzer his credit that he wanted to you know if there was a service I I told him if I hear of a service and or like a charity a cancer charity something uh, from his sister uh, who had uh, texted me uh, hours after he passed uh, about it. And then I, I got that out there. So, uh, let me throw it back to you. Let me ask Russell though, uh, cause I don't know, Russ, were you ever getting like the newsletters? Because in our time when we're, we're talking primarily, uh, from like mid or say 86 on through the nineties, no, early and really wrestling was still something that you read about in the big magazines. Or you didn't read about it at all, or you saw it when it came on TV. So, yeah, no, I never got involved in the sheets. And really, you know, now that the internet is what it is, everybody has a voice, and and it's sort of taken away from from the exclusiveness of wrestling writers. And so, you know, Ed was sort of in an era that no longer exists. I mean, maybe like he was like the best whalebone corset designer that you could ask for. Because these days, you just don't have that sort of thing anymore. And so I think that, you know, he was, he stood out in an era when you could stand out in that way. But nowadays, I think it's hard for people to relate. 
guy. I mean, he he was he was just a groundbreaking pioneer, uh, you know, and he he just under he you know he understood what his audience wanted. Where you know you were reading, you know you would read the after mag magazines and and uh, you know everything was just totally made up, you know because you know, I used to interestingly enough I used to work with with Dave Rosenbaum at a newspaper for five years from 1990 to 95 and he was still freelancing for PWI and all the other magazines and uh, I mean I knew that everything was made up but but he would like knock out like eight or nine articles in a day just because there wasn't really anything there was there was no analysis there was no no thought it was creative writing and you just you you took what was what you saw on tv and you just kind of you know would write something a little silly about it uh you know four or five hundred words and then move on to the next one and you could just you know like i said you know knock those things out you know a bunch of them in a day whereas you know ed 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 always thought of, of professional wrestling not on a very serious level i mean because it, it's kind of difficult to, to think of professional wrestling as as you know something you know it's, you know it, it's, it's not philosophy it's, it's it's not it's not history it's not something that uh, is you know, pertinent to it's not pertinent to your everyday life. It's a, it's a fun recreational thing, uh, but he 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 approached it with 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 a great sense of humor, and with a way of of educating his audience in an entertaining way. And you really you you don't you, you don't really even see that much to this day. Uh, and like you know, as we were talking earlier about you know the the you know the, the the sheets used to be you know results heavily results oriented uh, and and now and now it just seems to be a lot of you know backstage gossip type of things and 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 ed would and ed was more interested in here's something really ridiculous that they're trying to portray as something serious now let me you know kind of goof on it and some insight into, into what's going on, but do it in a very humorous way, and not to, not to, not to, you know, not to, not necessarily make fun of wrestling. I don't think that was ever his, his point, but the absurdity of some things that people try to pass along as being legitimate, you know, he would, he would say, well, this is just utterly ridiculous. Let me, let me, you know, let me, let me break it down here into into something humorous that you'll learn and you'll also laugh. And I think that was always very important to him. Let me say one thing too, uh, Ed talked to the boys. I think he was talking to Bruno almost as long as I did behind the scenes on a regular basis. Hearing a lot of those stories, he loved Ed with love and say, is this exactly how Bruno told you? And he would ask me about, uh, for example, how McMahon Sr. got him banned when he was first complaining about Buddy Rogers, I'm guessing one uh, mistreating and abusing the enhancement talent, the jobbers. And so uh, as this, Russ has heard me talk about this many times, like the last, so McMahon gets banned from most every out office 
and he's backstage at the cow palace ready to go out there and work for Roy Shire against Ray Stevens. And Roy comes back and says, you know, in essence, I'm sorry. I just got the word from Vince Sr. I, I'm not able to use you. So Bruno went for nearly two years and was selling out. The only promoter he could work for was Tunney, who uh, ignored the band and allowed him to work in main event. And he was getting over selling out the houses at Maple Leaf Gardens. And Ed wanted to hear and he's exactly what he told me is he told Ed that uh, Vince Sr. came up there and, you know, kind of almost crawling back, asking him because Rogers was not drawing uh, the houses and gates, you know, like the Rocca once would. The houses were going down with him as champion once they put the brand new created uh, capital sports title, you know, the tri WF on Rogers. It, it just wasn't working and begged Bruno to come back and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, one other thing I want to ask is we were talking about wrestling radio and Ed was very close with mutual friends of mine. And I know Evan and David would know these names, the late Bill Potshot Kunkel and Arnie Katz. I'm not sure how Arnie's doing. I'm hoping he's doing fine. They actually had, even before after they had a wrestling radio show in 71 after came about at least six, seven months after. And that's how we got his job soon after. I never called them the after magazines. They were the Stanley Weston magazines for right. me because he was my boss. I loved and respected Stanley. Got to induct him at an L.A. cauliflower alley. With the only time he came out, you know, was at my insistence we give him an award. But do you guys remember, particularly Dave and maybe Ev, do you remember him on that show? I don't know what that show's name was. I'd have to, I'm going to try to get a hold of Arnie to do the show. Uh, I wasn't getting anything back. At least his emails weren't bouncing back as invalid. Uh, I don't remember him being on the show, but I think Bill, Bill used to write for us as well. And the two of them would, uh, I'd have conversations with them. And they also, I think they wrote a little about the time that they would do the radio shows. And, uh, you know, Ed, 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 and, Ed and Bill loved loved each other they were they were total opposites in, in almost every way you can imagine but they just they just you know when they got together and then they would talk they just you know had the best times together you know and and i mean ed's ed's three favorite wrestlers of all time were bruno luthez and freddie blassie and that he was able to you know to to not only meet them and become friends with them uh and he did an, he did an interview for wrestling perspective for us with with luthez and it was just you know such an absolute thrill for him that he was a guy who you know he just he he did love professional wrestling and that he be, then he became such close friends with with the three people who he grew up you know absolutely idolizing uh was was such a thrill for him. We were just talking, and then I want to pitch over to Evan about, uh, so you and I were at the uh, Weekend of Champions in New York, and John Rizzi, at least, uh, his, my first one was 91. I don't know if you went to the 90, which was a little bit smaller. The big one was 1991. Bruno. Yes, I was in, yeah, actually I was in 90, 91, 92. So he, he was with the vendor tables, it says Buddy Rogers, Ric Flair, uh, Rick Rude, I think, yeah, Nancy Benoit, yeah. or Nancy Sullivan was pretty much there. I think Johnny Valiant uh, would Harry be Bob. the autograph. 
Yeah, there was a, a ton, but Ev, uh, so was Ed a, any of those, uh, 91, 92? No, he, he was not. Did not no. no. Like I said, I, I, like I said, I, I knew him for thirty something years, and and never had the pleasure of actually, you know, meeting him face to face. Which you know, it, it's it, it's it's so hard to to imagine. Right. Like with, so someone is probably one of your your three or four closest friends in the entire. It's like me and Russell. Me and Russell have never met, and we're going to try to keep it that way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Three thousand miles is about as much as we can get distance from each other. We we can move a little bit more to the left or to the right to just make that 3,000 3, miles and in, in, in 12 inches. A buddy of mine, a buddy of mine, his, he broke up with his girlfriend and she moved to Alaska because uh, Siberia wasn't an option. This is a true <laughs> story. I couldn't make this up. <laughs> but uh, just speaking about our mutual friend of Ed Gurria's, and this is a... a uh, show tribute to Ed Gurria and his life. He just passed, uh, and he was fine. Uh, and then developed like a swelling in his cheek. David, uh, his sister said, and uh, and then they, he had to go to emergency. He was puffing up, and then uh, two months later he passed with salivary gland tumor, which can sometimes be serious uh, I, blockage. Yeah. And I, he he he. Like I said, he was an, he was an ex such an exceptionally private person, and. But but occasionally he would, he, you know, he would open up and he was he he had had he had had medical problems dating back to, you know, the early 2000s. He was coming home, uh, getting off the subway and he got hit by a car. And, and that's what caused, that's what caused uh, the serious problems with his with his legs initially. Uh, and then his wife, Kat, had, had passed in 2007 or 2008. 2008, yeah, 2008. Yeah, and and so at at that point, you know, Ed's health had had deteriorated, and they were basically, you know, taking care of each other. When she passed, uh, he ended up um, shortly thereafter moving to Texas with with his sister uh, Jane, and and it just it was it was very difficult for him because you know he wasn't around was around friends. He wasn't working anymore. I don't know if many people know, but Ed worked for the Internal Revenue Service for 28 years. He was a, uh, a public information officer uh, for most of that time. So he was, you know, when, when, uh, so he got to know, he got to know a lot of reporters at the Daily News, at, at the, at the New York Post, at the, uh, the New York Times. And, you know, they would call, they would call the, the, the Manhattan office for various information that they would need about, about IRS stuff. And, and Ed was, Ed was that, that point person for them for, for so many years. Uh, and so he was away, you know, he had to leave his job because of his health, went down there, um, was struggling with, with, with his health problems for so many years. Uh, but with his, but with his, with with the with with the, with the cancer with his with his uh, with Salvatore, uh, it it was it just it just happened so fast. I was speaking with him probably four or so weeks before he passed, and he told me about it, and I could hear a, a tiny little bit of slurring in his voice, and I said, "Was is is?" I I, I asked him. I said, "Is there something?" 
is there something wrong with your mouth? And he says, yeah, it's because because of the cancer. It's, it's in his mouth and his ear. And I could still understand him. And then I and then we, we probably spoke about every uh, like every four or five days at that point. And and pretty much I mean, it, it just was it just happened so incredibly fast, like two weeks before two weeks before his passing. We were talking and I really couldn't make out much of anything he was saying. I mean, the cancer had had just had just impacted him so incredibly fast. And and the last time I spoke to him uh, would have been the Sunday. He died on a Thursday and it was it was the Sunday before he passed. And I mean, I just I just knew that I, I mean, I, I couldn't understand hardly anything he was saying it, it had gotten to it had gotten to such a severe level and i knew that was a, this was definitely going to be the last time i was ever going to speak to him and i mean it just to this day it still breaks my heart and it's just so incredibly difficult to 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 think about but you know the last thing i did say to him was that you know i love you ed and and I could make out you know, him saying, I love you too. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a grandfather of, of two, you know, two beautiful girls who were born um, January 2nd and, and June 9th. And I mean, all he wanted to talk about was, was my grandkids. And he was, he was just such an incredibly caring, giving person the most unselfish person you, you could ever imagine. And it, it just, like I said, when I spoke to him on Sunday, I knew, I knew that that was the end. And uh, Paul had not, my, uh, had not spoken to him uh, in a few months and he didn't know how severe it was. And I, I, I had called Paul right away and told him, I said, you know, uh, you, know, you, 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 know you may want to, call him though it's going to be impossible to make anything out but you know you may want to make some contact with him and so you know paul ended up writing uh, or, or what he told me was like a you know a four-page handwritten letter to ed you know just talking about the times when you know they were you know so close and how he hoped for his recovery and you know, unfortunately, he passed on a Thursday, and the letter arrived on Friday. So, you know, Ed never, never got to see it, and you know, he, he just was just such a remarkable person. Yeah, and and like I said, just just gave of himself and was so unselfish, and you know, you know, just on a personal level, helped me become such a better person. And on, on a professional level, you know, I've been a, a newspaper reporter for 35 years. So, I you know, I've been writing for a very long time. And Ed was always exceptionally supportive, even even to, you know, days before his passing. And he would he would read my stuff and 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 have not only would he would he get some of the, the subtleties of some of the things I was writing, but he would he would actually still offer me you know very friendly advice on on you know what what to you know what to look for what you know style points how to write how to how to be a little more uh you know approachable a little more you know uh 
entertaining, a little more humorous in, in what I wrote, particularly with, with columns. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I never, I, I never, I never met, spoke to anybody who had such a, a great understanding of, of just how to write and how to reach an audience that, as, as Ed did. And, and, and with the, with the amazing institutional knowledge that he had, because yeah, I mean, everyone now can, can be, in a, you know, can be an historian on wrestling. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's hundreds of books, you know, you can, you could, you know, they can call go, themselves historians, right? You know, yeah. And anyone can, anyone can, call, anyone can call themselves an historian. You know, Ed, Ed was, Ed was doing, you know, legwork in, in the, in the eighties when there was no internet where you, you basically had to go to, you know, firsthand sources and, and, you know, and, and they're not always terribly reliable. I mean, I've heard some people uh, who have, you know, critiqued, you know, his, you know, his ability to uh, accurately portray history, but, you know, as, as you know, history is, history is told by, history is told by those who, who survive. So, you know, you have to, you have to take, you have to take the word of, of people who, who lived through it. And, and sometimes their memories are a little faulty, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you, I remember as a kid looking through the, through the daily going, going to Madison square garden and seeing a show and then seeing the results a day or two later, you know, on the sports page in the tiny little section of the daily news and, and a bunch of the results were wrong. Hmm. So, so, you know, so, you know, you, you know, you, you, you know, so for someone to actually, you know, do the legwork, go through, go through, go to libraries, looking through old newspaper articles from the thirties and forties and, and talking to people, you know, who had lived through the forties and fifties in professional wrestling to, to document what happened. Uh, yeah. I mean, now all the, all the stuff and, and, and I don't know how reliable it is now is all sitting there at your fingertips on, you know, on a computer, you know, Ed was actually, you know, doing the legwork that, that, that is, you know, been long forgotten. When I'm going to throw it to Evan, but I want to ask him about Ed's mastery of film and TV, classic film and TV. But here, uh, Dave is from, uh, Susan Crawford, who was part of our group, Ed, a couple of years yeah. ago, or maybe a year and a half ago, you know Susan Crawford. I wanted to mention her because she's been a big help. Uh, and she was part of like not only his movie list, which might have been uh, what you were doing with him, but also from his goddaughter, who was a police officer, using it. She was a master of uh, many MMA techniques, but... I, I guess there was another goddaughter who was the, uh, maybe I'm screwing that up, was uh, the one doing the journalism in right, the, yeah. the paper. She's a newspaper reporter. I heard from Elise Skolnick, who had heard from Ed's sister, Jane, that he passed away. and But she said that her group of people communicating with Ed on his email list had no idea at all of his wrestling Nothing. I'm sitting here telling her for the first time and she's spreading it to them. I'd originally been friends with his wife, good friends with his wife, Kat, before she passed in 2008. 
often if I called and she was out, I would chat for a long time with Ed. That guy loved. <laughs> I will always miss him. That's Susan. Yeah. So Evan, who has done all kinds of film, wrestling then and now documentary, many other documentaries, Evan's book. Evan and I are doing the John Tolis, John and Chris Tolis book. Uh, David doesn't even know that yet. But Evan, do you do you recall ever talking to Ed about film? Because the two of you are whizzes on, on No, I, I don't remember speaking about film, but um, I, I just wanted to add something. Um, in spite of all of the books, shoot interviews, mountains of information that's available, there's so many people that have these ridiculous misconceptions about pro wrestling, uh, quote unquote, they all pissed away fortunes on wine, women, and song. And we know, we know from legends in the business who are our friends, many of them never broke 100000 in a year while, while sending money back home to support their family, while paying road expenses, etc. so on. There's so, so much wrong information that's out there and yeah. rewriting of history quote unquote he was just a jobber and we know the guy as a champion in 20 different territories but they remember him from 1985 and wwf or whatnot you know so ed was a real historian a, a real writer who spoke to Bruno and Blassie and Fez, Fez who went back to the 30s, okay? You know, who, and Fez's mentor who went back to the turn of the century, okay? That's a real historian, a real writer, a real journalist, a real researcher. Every day of the week, I see idiots go, the Undertaker was the greatest of all time. I go, you never saw wrestling after night. You never saw wrestling before 1990. If this yeah. is your if this is your conclusion, I see this every day of the week. OK, so again, you know, a guy like Ed spent thousands and thousands of hours doing research, the libraries, microfiche. You know, this isn't a guy pulling up some ridiculous WWE list, the top 50 heels of all time and Kowalski's number 50, you know, yeah, <laughs> if you know, he makes it, yeah, yeah, if he, no, seriously, I, years ago, I saw that and like my blood pressure skyrocketed. They had Kowalski like 50 and the Miz is like number 10 or whatnot. That's not history. That's propaganda. Ed yeah. was a historian and David put out a wonderful publication wrestling perspective and let me let me just throw this in um what people don't understand today wrestling's a big business a lot of the clickbait boys are making big big money out there okay a lot of the merch guys are making big money ed did this out of love okay he was not being paid for articles in a in, in a small newsletter we all doing it out of love and respect for the business and a passion for it. This wasn't mercenary. 
Okay, and for that reason, again, I want to go back to guys like Ed and Vince Evans, who did the Destroyer book, who died two or three days apart from Ed, I said before. These guys deserve being acknowledged. They really do. You know, as a writer, you know, I know what goes into writing a book. You know, that one Destroyer book, God knows how many hours does Vince Evans put in to the Destroyer book. I mean, you know, so let's acknowledge these guys more than just a sentence or two. That that all important Raw or SmackDown or AEW show with thousands of people writing thousands of words. How about a little acknowledgement for guys like this? And um, much respect. Slam Wrestling acknowledges these guys. Mike Leno acknowledges these guys. Okay, I mean there there are people that that do acknowledge them. We're trying on this program. On this half, yeah. half of the shows from this program are people who died, right, Russell? Seriously. I would half say half is maybe a nice estimate. It's yeah, more like 75%. But it's important. It's important from many, many aspects, not just the history part, to well the WWE is never gonna talk about Ed. You know, uh AEW is never gonna talk about Ed. Um we didn't even mention the, the guy who played Mantar, who did many things in ECW. Right? And WCW, and was the That's brother. another passing this yeah. week. Even a, a photo of him in that ridiculous, and and that wasn't even his fault. That lousy gimmick, you know, with Cornette managing him. Uh, guy was talented, and worked. Poor, you know, the poor he, guy fell down, and he posted on Facebook, "I fell down. They're going to put me in a brace." Next thing you know, he's dead. Fifty-five years old. It's a shame. He spent like uh, he did at least three to four tours for Otto Vaughn's lengthy European, Germany, and Austria tour. So he was could work, but you just didn't see him when you're you know stuck when they everybody had a, a horrible gimmick in the early to mid nineties. Well, yeah, I mean guys like Mike and guys like Ed, who who go back you know decades and decades, you know make make me who who goes to you know goes from 1990s seem like like a like a, a rookie in comparison uh you know i mean mike you've been doing this since what the, the 70s right a little before that when i was taking polaroids at the olympic auditorium a, a blassie when he hadn't even turned babyface yet then became right. our biggest face the three matches with the sheik right. and cage and then the scientific one hour broadway with rocky johnson fully turned him face yeah. I mean, cause, I mean, I walked away from wrestling in, in 2008 when I stopped doing, you know, perspective and, and don't really follow it closely anymore. Uh, you know, there was a while where I just wasn't watching it at all just because it just wasn't appealing to me in, in, in any way. But 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 guys who are like are like us, who are old school guys, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, to, to, to most, most of the people who are so-called, you know, wrestling journalists uh, or whatever, you know, we're, we're, we're dinosaurs. And so like, like Evan had said, you know, they think that, they think that, that, like, you know, their Mount Rushmore is, is, you know, is the Undertaker, Steve Austin and, and The Rock, who were all, you know, fine talents, but I mean, you know, we, you know, 
where's, you know, these guys have never heard of, of, of Dory Funk Jr. or Jack Briscoe or, or Luthez or Ed Strangle Lewis. Uh, I mean, I mean, obviously none of us were around to watch Ed Strangle Lewis, but we know we know the guy and we know the guy's history and we, we respect and appreciate it. And 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 even, you know, guys like, uh, you know, uh, you know, great wrestlers like like Kowalski and Carpentier and, and you know, and, and guys who, who, we, who we, we either saw or or, you know, grew up knowing about. You know, and for, for a guy like, like you know, Evan and myself seeing Bruno and Pedro, uh, you know, and Billy Graham, uh, you know, and, and living through that. And, and you, ask, you ask a current fan right now and they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, they wouldn't know who any of those people are. But David, we see this sort of phenomenon going on with all sports. I mean, it isn't just wrestling. I you're mean, right. You're discussions right. about you know football players and basketball players and baseball players not so much baseball players I think I think baseball fans know the concept of like eras and that baseball is a, kind of an eraless game you know you don't compare eras with with people they just uh, appreciate the accomplishments with the guys have gotten but I see it in a lot of other sports discussions. Especially yeah. football and basketball. Right, it's the same thing in wrestling. With the NFL, if you ask somebody, even somebody in LA who Roman Gabriel is, they'll be clueless. A current NFL fan, they won't know Roman Gabriel, or maybe they'll know Joe uh, Namath from TV ads. But well, they wouldn't even know Fran Tarkenton. Right. They're right. Yeah. No. They they might not even know uh, uh, guys like um, uh, John Elway and Dan Marino. Might be past yeah, their right, right, their yeah. visage, you know. Even stuff from the '80s, you know. Joe Montana's just lucky he won for Super Bowls, or else he'd probably been forgotten by now too. So you know, it's it's it, well, it, it is this, a little thing to catch. Uh, yeah, but the recency oh, bias thing is something that's that, few and far between. I, I feel like wrestling suffers from it almost more than almost any other um, uh, sport out there um, because of how much people and, and i think a lot of that to blame is on the wwe they really just focus on these younger guys and the newer guy and and saying things like roman reigns is the longest uh, uh well, lasting something, i don't know uh, david and ev i don't know if you saw it i'm pretty sure ev and i talked about it they had a video montage when uh roman reigns was passing a thousand yeah that he passed well yeah. done and there were a few left off that I told their archivist, Ben, about that were left off because he was the one that oversaw that whole video with the photos of Dory Funk Jr., Jack Briscoe, yeah. people in there. I go, why didn't you include Giant Baba and all of his title reigns and length of championships in all Japan? And he admitted, you know, yeah, they dropped the ball there. But that was well done. You know, what's their usual uh, paintbrushing that Evan and I talked for years, decades on various radio programs about the whitewashing or the reimagining of history. Let me just say this about historians. There are a bunch of guys, some in particular, that are newbies that only started watching wrestling from, I don't know, the late 90s on, that upload other people's video content. We're talking, you know, if they get their hands on like a, an old, uh, say, uh, I don't know, handheld stuff from the 70s and they put it up there on YouTube, they're calling themselves historians 
when they're like video pirates, they're thieves. That's not a historian. A historian is like Ed Gurria going in to, or uh, we lost, uh, oh gosh, Don Luce was another great historian like J. Michael Kenyon that would spend like a whole week in a library, as Evan said, going through microfish, which I'm sure Evan has done. I've done a little of that, but nothing to that extent like that Ed did that would just, every single newspaper that had, he would go through the results and all of that stuff and uh, do the best with what, what you have and then try to uh, run that by the people still alive. We don't have that many ter territory guys left. Yeah. Dory, yeah. I mean, who do we have? You know, Dory, Terry's memory is, is sadly kind of shot depending on the day. Uh, there's just not that many guys. Les Thatcher is probably the guy with the sharpest mental capacity of anybody from that era who's still alive, Russell in the 60s. Evan Bob I have, Ellis is still alive. Yeah, but he nobody's talked to him in decades. He no-showed. He was going to be our top Cauliflower Alley honoree. Sparrow Sarion, I heard, is still alive. No, he passed. Really? Yes. Somebody told me just the other day he's alive. <laughs> you know for sure? Yeah, I remember Meltzer doing an obit on him. But we can go back and check. But Bob Ellis hasn't. He, the legend about him that I'm sure was bullshit was that he was constantly on the move. That's why he didn't come to get his plaque at Cauliflower Alley. Uh, he hadn't paid his taxes, a la Ray Stevens, one of his good friends from the, <laughs> and was constantly on the move. Uh, but he's like the oldest living. There, there's, I think, one guy in Japan, maybe one in Mexico in that ballpark. Spiros Arion is still alive. Mike, you, you buried him too quickly. Spiros is still alive. He's 82. You're sure about that? Because I thought I just looked it up. Well, you, Wikipedia hasn't lied to me yet on somebody's death. <laughs> they, 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 they get a lot of things wrong, but when someone dies, they usually uh, don't miss the, the beat Black Wadman's still alive, Johnny Rods. Yeah. Paul Bashan. Yeah, Paul Bashan, though, his, uh, he's lost a leg, just like Ed, and he he's is still asked, He's still mentally sharp. But he, I, he said, though, that he was asking people to post their memories on his Facebook because he was starting to forget a lot of stuff. Okay. which is tragic. What a brilliant career. A lot of people don't know. He worked against Singh in India, and he said, like, they drew, you know, there was, most of it was unpaid, but 120,000 people to see him against, there was a Dara, Dara Gama Singh, Dave, do you? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, the, the interesting thing is, like, these guys were too busy making a living to right. to really reflect on, 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 what they actually, what they actually, what what their legacy was, and that's what I, I always got a, a kick out of when I would when I would interview these guys for for Wrestling Perspective, and uh, like one time I interviewed Gordon Soley one time, and I was I was politely correcting him on something, and he says, "You know my career better than I do," and you know meaning as a compliment, and and I said, and I said, "Well, sir, I'm sure I do because you were too busy." actually experiencing it and and working you know two or three different territories at the same time trying to keep everything straight you know for for that upcoming week whereas for me i was sitting there you know as, as a kid just marveling at what was in, you know what was in front of me and and so you know you, you can't blame some of them for for you know not recalling everything uh, in, because they were just, you know, too busy, you know, doing what they were doing and making a living to to worry about, you know, 
what their legacy was. And, and like I said, you know, for me, for example, I, I will occasionally come across an article I wrote, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago and, uh, you know, online that I just happen to stumble across as I'm looking for something else and I'll click on it and I'll look at it and I'll like have absolutely no recollection of writing the story or speaking to any of the people who were involved in this article. So I could understand to a certain extent not remembering, you know, days and and dates and particular things that 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 happened to you particularly if if me as a fan it was such a it was something that that so hugely impacted me but for you it was you know something that was somewhat interesting and was a decent payday among you know a dozen other decent paydays or two dozen or three depending on how big the person was you know i i know for like like you know, for like a, like a Luthez or Bruno San Martino, for example, you know, when you're when you're constantly traveling throughout, you know, going to Japan, traveling throughout the throughout the country uh, and and, you know, doing a variety of, of sellout crowds and, 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 you know, having all this success, uh, you know, your memory is just not going to be is not going to be 100 percent on that. Yeah, can I just add something? When you talk about legacy, this, this is rarely addressed. Um, pro wrestling, um, my radio mentor, Fred Giobold, who's also gone, he uh, referred to wrestling as the proletarian performance art. Theater for the people. Um, my grandfather was an immigrant. He came to America about 100 years ago. And, you know, blue-collar jobs, tough life, low pay. And they didn't have money for Broadway. They went to wrestling. They went to wrestling. And even me as a kid, I went to wrestling with my dad. And my dad never broke 25 grand as a uh, taxi driver. So some of the best nights of my life were going to wrestling with my dad as a kid. So, and who, who are our heroes? Bruno and Monsoon and Strongbow and you know, all the Pedro and I'll take it to the next step. Vince McMahon senior. It was very ethnic. You had the Puerto Rican champion, the Polish strongman, the Italian strongman. There was somebody for all of us. And, um, you know, so the leg more Jews. Yeah, they needed some Jewish wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it all for you and me, Evan. But <laughs> well, <laughs> They did. I'm going to do an article on that, actually. I'm the senior editor of Pro Wrestling Stories. I'm going to do an article on that because that's something that's not really acknowledged. You know, believe it or not, you know, uh, Randy Savage and Lanny Papo, their mom was Jewish. So technically they yeah. were Jewish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, more, I mean, the Malenkos and, you know. There's, yeah. you know. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Jewish legacy in wrestling. But anyway, my, my, my point is... Um, Yes, these guys were on the road 300 plus days a year back in the day, and it, it's it, it all. Somewhere may have, I heard it was 350 days. That was the NWA champs, but most of these guys 300 plus days, really. And um, well, there were weeks they'd do eight shots. Yeah. So my point is, what was just another day at the office for them? These were some of our greatest memories and that's right. why we cherish them and and again that's why somebody like ed Gurria 
was and is important because great writing and great journalism and great research survives one way or the other. Somebody's going to Google some wrestler and there will be Ed's article from wrestling perspective or whatnot, and it, it'll live on forever. No, I'm not just saying this, you know, <laughs> I mean this sincerely. Art survives. Art survives. And the clickbait review of Friday SmackDown, that's just, you know, garbage for the universe that won't survive because it's meaningless. Really. So while we have a few minutes left, uh, David, uh, I'd like for you to be able to uh, talk about what you're doing right now. And if you have any contact information so that our fans can get all of you, uh, go ahead and... and well, well, <laughs> um, like I said, I'm, I mean, I'm out of out of doing wrestling, and and uh, uh, I I like I said, I, I got very very close to to Ed uh, when I really like started loving cinema again, and and and, and exploring you know you know foreign films as well as like you know trashy psychotronic stuff, and and Ed was an expert on on all of those things. Uh, so you know, we did we did uh, the Celluloid Club uh, uh, website for for like four plus years, writing about films. Uh, me, I mean, I, I live in I live near Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, I've, I've been writing for the same newspaper now for uh, twenty eight years, and you know, in, enjoying life. It's, it's, what do you normally write about, Dave? What are your topics? What do you normally write about, or is it everything? Uh, I cover I cover um, primarily politics and and city government in in Youngstown, but I do like I do like local politics. I do state politics. I do national politics. Oh, for which paper? Um, so what was it? For which paper? Uh, the name of the paper the name of the paper is actually is is called the Vindicator. Great. So, yeah, so it's like, like, sort of like a superhero type of name. For, yeah, uh, that sounds like a Grindhouse film. The Vindicator. Well, you've got the uh, Cleveland Guardians. So, yeah, you really got like, you know, you need the Avengers somewhere involved and yeah. you've got yourself. But um, is the people could look up the Vindicator uh, newspaper yeah. online and see your articles? Yeah, yeah. at, at com. Great. That's wonderful. We really appreciated having you on as guests. Oh, the thrill. Thank you so much. This week um, and sometime, hopefully under happier circumstances, we can actually come and give us uh, some of your thoughts on, on the modern wrestling world and let us know uh, what's <laughs> what, what your thoughts are with all of that. So Great. really appreciate it very much. And uh, I guess we will see everybody next week or we'll see. Um, well, let's see, Ev, Ev, do you have anything to plug besides pro wrestling stories? Any oh, yes. Yes. Coolest um, you can check out the Wrestling Then and Now documentary, Plex, uh, Tubi, Amazon, um, etc. Uh, we just re-released that after 20 years. And again, um, David, you know, I, we made this movie on pennies 20 years ago, and um, most of the people in it are gone. Killer Kowalski, Nikolai Volkov, Don Dr. Death Arnold, tons of indie guys. They're, they're all fun. Yeah, of like the, the 50 or 60 guys or 70 guys that I that I interviewed over the 18 years of doing Wrestling Perspective, you know, an overwhelming majority of them have passed. 
Mm. You know, just like 70% of them are dead. Uh, that's why you have to get a word from them while they're still here. Exactly. Else, you know, exactly. you won't have anything else to remember them by. Anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank we'll see you, everyone man. again next week. Good night, everybody. Bless you, Korea.